Merry Christmas, you guys. So great to see you. So great to see you. Uh, if you're a regular hit restoration, we have a lot of guests, a lot of people here for the first time. Can we put our hands together? Everybody who's joining us this evening. Lots of places you could be. Thanks for being here with us, with us. Um, so we begin to plan these, these services a few months in advance, at least the theme. And we chose for this year to focus on how the light shines in the darkness. And it's based on a, on a verse in John chapter 1 where, where John tells us, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. About two weeks ago from today, actually, on a Tuesday, I was a little short of material for this message, and God gave me an illustration. It goes like this. It's become kind of a bigger deal than I thought it would become because it was on Fox News. It goes like this. It goes like this. So I got up one morning, and I'm a, I'm a walker in the morning. I, I walk because uh, I have ADD, and I, I, I'm too poor, too cheap to buy Ritalin. So I'm out for a walk, and I'm, I'm trying to get my, my monkey island brain to calm down, and I'm, I'm praying. And if you know Wash Park, I went around the South Lake, and I'm heading towards the North Lake, and I come to the boathouse. If you're from out of town, it's like this, this space with some lamps around it. And, and I see a guy walking along, and we're going to intersect at a corner. And I'm thinking to myself, what kind of idiot walks at 4.45 in the morning, right? I'm aware of the hypocrisy of that statement, by the way. So I'm walking towards this guy, and he's got this, this big heavy coat on. He's got a hood on. And my, my bad guy radar starts going off, like, this may not be such a great situation. So I kind of cut left, and he backs up, and now we're going to meet at another corner. So now I'm, like, totally creeped out. And then he peels off into this area where there's some trees, and I'm thinking, oh, I'm okay. He's just going back in there. Maybe he spent the night. Maybe he's a homeless guy, and maybe I should help him or something. And then he pops out from behind the trees right when I get to the, this trash can. He's, like, 8, 10 feet away, and he, he's just in a shirt, and it's 24 degrees outside. So now I'm thoroughly afraid. And he asked me, what are you afraid of? And I'm thinking to myself, I'm actually afraid of many, many things, but right now, primarily you, okay? Like, I'm really afraid of you. And I, I've got Lululemon sweats on. I got mittens on. I mean, you know, I scream, easy prey, <laughs> not dressed for Fight Club, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm backing up, and we're in this, again, we're shaded from the lamps. And as I back up, very slowly, uh, he says to me, as I enter into the light of the lamps, he says, oh, you think the light's going to save you? I promise you he said that. It was so good, I wanted to call time out and write that down for this message. I'm like, that is perfect, exactly what I was looking for, thank you. But again, I kept all my thoughts to myself. I'm just backing up, and I say, hey, man, I'm just going for a walk. And then he, he begins to bend down this way, and I can tell he's getting ready to rush. And I turn, and we have an old-fashioned foot race. And about 20 yards in, he stops. He's laughing at me. I don't look back for like a good 70 yards. I haven't sprinted that fast since like I was 18, okay? Too old for this stuff. Go home. I, I call 9-11. Uh, my wife posted on next door, and then uh, Fox News picked it up. And it's become a bigger deal than it really is. But I want to thank Fox News for helping us on our marketing campaign during the Christmas holidays. <laughs> and many of you came probably because of that. So thank you very much. Anyway, as you can imagine, I've, I've been thinking through what happened and all the things that could have gone wrong. Like, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm really old. Like, I could have easily pulled a hamstring. There could have been ice. I mean, this could have gone really, really, really bad. And so I'm here to thank God tonight with you that that guy was wrong. He was wrong. The light did save me. And I believe that whatever darkness you may be facing in your life, the, the light can save you too. See, that's the good news of the Christmas story, that God has sent his light into the world through Jesus Christ, and he's here to save us in every way, from the darkness inside of us and outside of us. 
And so what I want to do with you uh, in the next few minutes, I'll keep it short. It's my Christmas present to you. Uh, I will uh, talk with you a little bit about the nature of the darkness, the nature of the light and how it saves us, and then how to make more room for the light if we would like to as we go into this new year. You up for that? I hope so, because that's all I got. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for everyone who's here. I, I pray that, that you would meet us wherever we are spiritually, emotionally. I pray that you'd, you'd shine your light into our hearts and you'd fill us with your, your, your hope, with your salvation, with your grace and love. Pray that you would shine light on the Christmas story, help us understand it better, what it means for us in this day and age. And we pray all this would be done in such a way that it brings glory to Jesus Christ, our Savior. In his name we pray. And some people said... Amen, amen, amen. All right, so let's talk about the nature of the darkness. So in, in Luke's version of the story, Luke was an historian and a, doc, and a doctor. He, he's trying to give an historical account of what happened. And in his version of the birth narrative, it all starts at night in the dark. And, and the shepherds are outside. And these shepherds were very aware of what kind of things can happen at night in the dark. Predators can come and steal sheep and eat sheep and that kind of thing. But these also were not normal shepherds. They were Bethlehem shepherds. It was prophesied in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And in chapter 4, verse 8, it was prophesied the Messiah would be born near the tower of the flocks. What is the tower of the flocks? It's where the temple shepherds would raise sheep in an attempt to raise these unblemished lambs that would be taken to Jerusalem twice a day, eight miles away, and sacrificed for the sins, or if you will, the darkness of the human heart. And so these shepherds were experts at the nature of darkness. The darkness outside of us is caused by the darkness inside of us. And they had to memorize the Torah in order to be temple shepherds. And so they knew that anytime the Bible talks about darkness, it's a, a synonym or a symbol of the problems that we face as human beings. So outside of us, the problems that we face, like global warming and large-scale conflict, religious intolerance, racism, human trafficking, slow Wi-Fi at the airport this time of year, that kind of stuff. The Oakland Raiders. Thank you. The regulars know it's a worn-out joke, but anyway. All the problems outside of us, they, they come from the problems inside of us. So what, why did Jesus... I just lost my place. Oh, thank you very much. It's the seventh time I've done this message. Um, if you guys will, just for a moment, uh, close your eyes and try to shut the light that's in the building. And we've all been really busy, probably going at a very fast pace. This might be the first moment you've had in a while to connect with yourself. I want to ask you a question. What's the biggest problem you're facing right now? What darkness are you facing? You can open your eyes. Might be a big problem, might be a little problem. But I'm not a mind reader. I would guess, though, that your problem, the problem you're facing, could be put into one of three categories. Either it's a person, a place, or pace. Person, place, or pace. Now, if the person is sitting next to you, be very careful these next few moments. Eyes on the pastor. Well, the problem will get better. Bigger, not better. Uh, but the, the problem person may not be here. It could be your ex-spouse. It could be your boss, an employee. It could be your Uncle Eddie who always gets drunk on Christmas Eve. But for many of us, our biggest problem is a person in our lives, a friend who's betrayed us, perhaps. For, for many of us, though, the, the, the biggest problem person in our lives is ourselves. I know that's certainly true of me. Most of the time, my biggest problem is, is right here. It's Ron Johnson. You know, maybe for you this year, it's loneliness. This can be one of the loneliest times of the year. 
or maybe it's anxiety. I was reading in a, in a paper the other day that they're going to call this last decade the, the decade of anxiety. Maybe you're very, very anxious. Things are out of control in your life. Maybe it's, it's bitterness in your heart. You're bitter towards somebody you can't seem to forgive. Um, maybe you're just self-preoccupied and you keep getting in your own way. For many of us, we're the biggest problem we have. Amen, anybody? Amen. Okay, good. Just checking. Um, others of us, it's a place. It could be where you work. It could be a team you're on at work. Uh, it, it could be your neighborhood. It could be what's happening inside of your home. Uh, perhaps you're from Dallas. That could be your problem. <laughs> Step into the light. We always have these Dallas people that show up on Christmas Eve for some reason, and they love Dallas. So anyway, out of the darkness, in the light. Could be a place. Could be a place. Could be a pace. You know, during the Christmas holiday season, life just gets faster and faster and faster. You got final exams, you got quotas, you got, you got transportation arrangements to make, you got to put the lights up, you got to buy that perfect gift, you got to figure out if you have a broken family, who sits where, and life just gets faster and faster and faster. But if we're honest, many of us would admit that while the pace has been a lot quick, more quicker recently, it's been really fast all year long. It's getting worse and worse by the year. And you've been so busy doing things, you've, you've not had time to be. And you've been so busy seeking achievement that you've lost sight of what truly brings you fulfillment. And you've lost a connection with yourself and perhaps the people you love the most and perhaps God. So that is the nature of the darkness. The darkness is what creates all the problems inside of us and outside of us. That's the Halloween part of Christmas, okay? Are you ready for the light part? Let's get to the Christmas story. So back to the shepherds. It's nighttime. This angel shows up, and it says, The glory of the Lord shone around them. The, the word there for shone, it's lampos in Greek. It means light. When God comes into the world, he always comes as a light. And then the gospel is pronounced over these shepherds. The good news is heard for the very first time. Today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you, who is Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ came into the world to bring light into our darkness. And he came to save us from the darkness in two ways. First of all, he wants to be with us. In, in Matthew's version of the Christmas story, he's given the title that was prophesied in Isaiah 7:14 that would be bestowed upon the Messiah, and that is the Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus Christ came into the world to prove to us that God is with us. He's always been with us. He's with us right now. He will be with us in the future. He is with you. In Psalm chapter 23, it's a messianic psalm. It's about, it's about Jesus. It's about the Messiah. It says that the Lord is our shepherd. Then in verse 4, it says, even though we walk through the darkest valley, he will be with us. We don't need to fear any evil. Some of you know this. You've gone through some dark valleys, and you know that when you're in a dark valley, it doesn't matter so much what you know or what you do. What really, really matters is who you're with. If you've got some friends, you can get through some dark valleys. But what we all need the most in a dark valley is we need to know that God is with us, that the creator of the universe has not abandoned us. He loves us, and he wants to help us get through that valley to the light on the other side. Jesus is always with us. Of course, the question becomes, are we with him? He sees us. Do we see him when we're in the darkness? So he's with us 
in the darkness. That's how he saves us from it. But then also, he wants to be in us. He wants to come into the darkness in our life. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The, the promise of Jesus is when we surrender our lives to him and we sign up to follow him and be his apprentices, his students, and we begin to learn his ways, he pours more and more and more light into us through his Holy Spirit. It's like he comes into our, our life like he would a house, and he begins to go through the dark spots. He goes into the closet. He throws away that dirty sock that you forgot was there. He goes into the junk drawer, and he finds that 2007 iPhone charger, one that you don't need anymore. Throws that away. He gets into the console between your two front seats, and he gets rid of that French fry that's about to turn into a fossil fuel. Then he gets rid of that Mariah Carey CD from the 1990s because he's sick of that stuff. He goes through all these dark spots. He gets into our soul. And he finds the loneliness, and he shines a light in there. He finds that, that unhealed wound, that mother wound, that father wound, and he says, we got to heal this. It's been too long. He addresses your bitterness towards your ex-spouse, and he says, we gotta, we got to forgive him or her. This is not serving you. He gets into our lives, and he says, we got to add some more things to your calendar and get rid of some other things. we got to make room for what matters the most. He goes into every single area of our life, one place at a time, shining his light. And his promise is one day, one day, we will all be full of his light, and there will never again ever be any darkness. So I have a lot of friends who are coming to these services that aren't following Jesus yet, and uh, my non-Christian friends, and by the way, if you're not a person of faith yet, thank you for being here. One of my problems as a pastor is sometimes I love non-Christians more than Christians. And the reason for that is I, I grew up without the light, and then I discovered the light, and this, this is so much better. And I want this for everybody. And so I spend a lot of time with my non-Christian friends, and they love to play stump the pastor with different questions, you know, like, uh, how can you trust the Bible? It's not compatible with science. How could a good God send people to hell? What's so unique about Jesus? There's so many ways to God. How could you believe he's the one way, the only way? And then their favorite question is, how can you believe, Ron, that the light has come into the world when there's still so much darkness? And I usually don't answer any of their questions, because Jesus didn't. He wants us to find the truth for ourselves. But when they press and press and press, especially on that issue, I might say something like this. The reason there's still so much darkness in the world is because there's still so much darkness in me. But the promise of Jesus is that one day all that darkness will be gone. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth, and the universe will be full of his light. Those are the two ways that Jesus saves us from the darkness. He, he's in it with us, then he gets inside of us, and he gets it out of us so he can get it out of the world. Amen? Is that some good news? Okay. Let's talk about how to make some room for the light, shall we? Uh, of all the people in the story, the person I think is most tragic is the innkeeper. Can you imagine being that guy? Mary and Joseph show up. Jesus, the Savior of the world, is about to be born, and he had no room in his VRBO for the Savior of the world. Can you imagine living with that for the rest of your life? But so often we're that guy, are we not? We're so busy with our agenda and our goals and, and maintaining whatever control we can of life that we don't make room for Jesus. 
And so I want to urge you before you leave here tonight to make some choices, to make some more room for Jesus as we go into this next year. Three things we can do. First of all, if you've never surrendered to him, surrender. If you're walking by your light, not his, surrender to the light. The reason Jesus is such great news is because he came into the world to do for ourselves what we can't do for ourselves, and that is he forgave our sin. He placed his holiness upon us so that one day we can stand before a holy God, blameless, shameless, innocent, and pure. Will you surrender to his light today? Will you open your heart up to his grace? Will you give up on self-salvation efforts and let him be your savior? Now, some of you, you've had a transactional moment. Maybe a pastor like me led you in a prayer, and you prayed the prayer, and you're like, it didn't work. <laughs> I, I prayed the prayer, but I'm still the same person. I can assure you, if you truly surrendered your life to Jesus, your life would be disrupted. If you read through the Christmas story, every person who surrenders to him always gets disrupted. Mary, Joseph, everybody. He will mess with your life, but here's also what he'll do. He will change you. He will transform you. If you've really surrendered, the light gets in your life. You, you are signing up to be his apprentice. You try to follow his ways. He helps you. And as you do so, you are transformed slowly but surely. And so if you, you made an attempt at some point to follow him, you threw a log on a fire, you prayed a prayer, whatever, but it didn't change you, I'm going to offer you the opportunity in just a moment to surrender, but this time for real. We surrender also, we get a church. And I know this is super popular for some of you, this idea of going to church. You know, pastors, we joke about CEOs. We have lots of CEOs in church this time of year, Christmas, Easter only. Yeah. If that's you, thank you for being here. And if you only come on Christmas and Easter, we'll be grateful you came. And maybe you don't come because the church doesn't have the best reputation because people like me misuse their power and hurt vulnerable people. And maybe you don't come because church is just annoying. There's so much to do on the weekend. Or the people who go to church are annoying. But the church is still Jesus' plan A for transforming people and getting more and more of the light of God into them. And so he calls us his body, the physical presence of Jesus in the world. And sometimes that body can be pretty ugly. But it's also really beautiful. There's a lot of light in the body. So I want to encourage you, if you don't go to church, please, please try to go more often this next year. If you live out of town, email me. I'll help you find a church. I know lots of pastors. If you're in town, this isn't your thing. Like, whoa, it's crowded in here. I don't want to come back here. We'll help you find a church. We've helped start 27 churches. We'll help you find a church. There's lots of great churches. But I encourage you, find a community and get out of the rows and into circles and get to know people who think different, vote different, feel different, have different stories than you so that God can take their light and pour it into you. You can't get all the light that God wants for you if you're flying solo. And the last but not least, pray. You know, going to church has a lot of shame to it if you don't go much. Prayer does too. I mean, who can say I pray enough, right? And so next year as we get into January, we're going to do a series called Pray First because we believe as a church that if you're going to seek God first, you've got to pray first. So we want to get off to the right start next year and focus on prayer and learn from Jesus how to pray. And we're going to demystify prayer, make it really simple for normal human beings like me and you. So I hope you come back. Three ways you can get more light into your life. Make more room for Jesus. Surrender. Find a church. Come more often. Pray. You down for that?
Okay, okay, let's do this. Um, take out these flashlights. You received these as you came in along with candles. And uh, I want to give you the opportunity to make some choices right now. To make more room for Jesus and his light in your soul. So let's test them. Turn them on. There we go. Oh, yeah, they're working. They're, they're holding up well. Okay, great. Okay, if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. For a moment, let's turn off the lights. Let's shut out as much light as we can. When we're finished, this room will be full of light. I want to talk to you, four different groups of people. I want to give those of you who need to surrender the opportunity to do that. To have a moment right now with Jesus that can change you for all of eternity. For those of you who've surrendered, you're following Jesus, I want to give you the chance to make more room for him. For those of you who are not ready to surrender, but you're willing to seek and investigate and do your own homework and study who he is. I'll give you the opportunity to make that decision right now. And then we'll include everybody else. If you're here right now and in your heart, if you're honest, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe this is the very first time you've ever heard about the good news of Jesus. But maybe you grew up in church, but you've never surrendered. It's never really disrupted you. It's never really changed you. But right now, you want to surrender to the light. You want to invite the light, the grace, the forgiveness, the salvation of God into your life. Or you want to rededicate yourself, re-surrender. Then I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Jesus, I believe you are the light of the world. And so right now, I ask that you pour your light into my soul. I receive your grace, your love, your forgiveness. I give up trying to impress God. I receive your grace for my shame and my guilt. I believe you went to the cross to substitute your holiness for my unholiness. I want to be your student. I want to be your apprentice. I want to learn to become more and more like you. And so I'm committing to reading your biographies, the gospels. I'm committing to try and apply your habits and principles to my life until all that's left in me is your light. So right now, right now, because you gave your life for me, I'm giving my life back to you. If this is your prayer, say amen and turn on your light and hold it up. Right now you're surrendering or re-surrendering. Hold up your light. Beautiful. I see you guys. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. Anybody else? You're holding out. Let go of control. You can trust him. Hold up your light. Surrender. Wonderful. Wonderful. Keep your lights up. If you're here and you've already surrendered, but you want to follow more earnestly, you want to make more room for Jesus, you've crowded him out, you've been too busy this year, but you want to make more room, then I want to encourage you right now, hold up your light. Hold up your light. Wonderful. Wonderful. If you're not ready to surrender, you're not ready to follow, but you want to seek, you believe you owe it to yourself to investigate who is Jesus, who really is he for you, then hold up your light. Hold up your light if you'll seek more earnestly. God's promise is, if you will, you'll find him. You'll find the truth. And then finally, if, if you're not ready to seek even, but you come from a different background, or you're not even sure you believe in God or a spirit world, but you just want to experience the light, however it comes to you, hold up your light. Hold up your light. Fantastic. You guys can look up and look around you. Is that cool? Can we thank God for what he's doing in our church today? <laughs>